Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Benedict Evans. Benedict has worked with clients such as ESPN, Esquire, Variety, and Wired Magazine, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Benedict about how he went from studying film to pursuing a career in photography. I also speak to Benedict about his experience assisting legendary photographer Platon and how he broke off on his own to start shooting. Benedict is a very talented photographer whose work I really enjoy, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him about his work and all his experience within the photography world. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Benedict Evans, man, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to do this, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming down here. Yeah, definitely. I was actually excited to talk to you. I actually had a few people email me and they requested you to be on here. So, no way. Yeah, definitely, man. People were <laughs> pumped on your work and everything you're doing. So You probably I'm, say that to everybody. No, it's the <laughs> truth, man. I swear to God. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, but I guess just to kind of start off, I was just kind of interested in uh, kind of where you grew up and like what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography. Yeah, I grew up uh, in England for the most part. Um, in southwest England, in Bristol. Uh, I also lived in the States. Um, there's a little bit of American in me for about six years, I think, when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I lived in New York and uh, in the Pacific Northwest for a little bit. Oh, um, wow. So I actually had, I had an American accent once when I was about 12. <laughs> and I said things like sneakers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then I moved back to England when I was about 12 or 13. Mm. Um, and then I lived there until I moved back here in my mid-20s. Okay, yeah that's cool and then like where did the kind of photography kind of come in the mix like how old were you when you kind of first started getting into it you think it's a good question uh i was thinking about this recently i think uh i started to get into photography um at the end of school uh didn't really know what i was doing obviously but i was kind of interested in the in the darkroom side of things more than anything else at way back then at the time um so taking pictures was almost like just something you kind of had to do in order to get into the darkroom um and then I took a year off between uh, school and university in England, and I spent most of it working in England to earn the money to come here to New York to go to the New York Film Academy. This was back in 2004. Okay. So the Film Academy back then was one building in Union Square. Um, and I studied filmmaking, which was what I kind of at that point wanted to do. I was pretty pretty into cinema. Um, and the course was, I really loved it. It was only a couple of months long, but it, you know, it was three or four months in the summer in New York City for me, and it was like... A, overload you know it was amazing um and then when I finished the course I went back to England and I kind of thought I didn't have the money to make movies uh which was an excuse really I didn't have the ideas or the stories to tell I guess okay um so I started taking pictures more actively than uh sort of as practice for cinematography I wanted to be a director but I figured the way into that would be cinematography Mm. Uh, so really photography like as a more serious thing began as practice I think for that for me and then it kind of just took over and I sort of ended up forgetting a bit about the film wow that's interesting to hear yeah because it seems like a lot of people they they it's almost the opposite they start with photography and then a lot of times they go into Mm. film so it's kind of interesting to hear how you kind of went the opposite way yeah I mean it was interesting as well because they had like when we were at film school here for example they had us walking around Manhattan with a with an SLR up to our eyes the whole time so mm-hmm. we could get used to what the world looks like through a viewfinder, which I actually did walked into a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, that, that was kind of, that was kind of, I guess, like a crossover point for me. I started being really interested in just holding a camera all the time. Okay. 
That's cool. What kind yeah. of stuff were you photographing when you first started out? Like, I know you're really well known for all your portraits and stuff you do now, but what kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, no you? people back then. Um, it's funny because I didn't really, I developed all my technical skills of photography before I developed anything else. Uh, so I definitely got to a point. Also, I didn't study photography, so it was just using the internet. Um, I learned all about lighting and, and cameras and all that stuff. So I definitely got to a point where I was sort of technically proficient before I had any idea why I was taking photographs. Yep. Um, I remember when I got to the point where I felt fairly proficient technically at lighting and, and whatnot, showing my work to people who's, you know, artists or whatever that I respected or friends who made work I respected, they, their response was pretty unanimously, okay, so you've got the skills, but like, what are you going uh, to do with it? Because yeah. back then I was just shooting, I was at university in Sheffield, I was shooting a lot of the cliche stuff that I think people do when they're young, abandoned buildings and, you know. You know. Yeah. Uh, looking back, it never occurred to me to photograph that like the people I knew and the things we were doing, uh, which in hindsight would have been infinitely more interesting. Um, anyway, uh, so I was photographing a lot of objects, I guess. Um, okay. Buildings, things I found, stuff like that. Uh, and then I gravitated towards portraiture because, I guess because it just seemed like really frightening to me, the idea of sort of being expected to make a good photograph with nothing but you and a, and a, and a camera and a person. Yeah. And even more so if you put a backdrop behind them, then you've got nothing really except you and that person. Um, so I was drawn to that for a long time before I actually attempted it. Um, and I think it was kind of the, the challenge was, was pretty exciting. That's pretty cool. And I guess, was there like a point when you kind of started taking your photography more seriously and thought you kind of wanted to start doing like assignment work and stuff? Or when did that kind of come in the mix? I mean, because I know you do a lot of editorial stuff and you do advertising too, but um, when did that kind of come in the mix for you? Well, so I finished university in England. I studied literature. I didn't study um, anything related to this directly. Um, and I finished that and then I started working uh, in a shop where I'd worked in all my holidays at the end of school and university uh, in Bristol selling wine and stuff, um, which was a quite a nice job. It obviously wasn't a career job for me, but it was quite a nice job, not an easy one to leave. Yeah. Um, and I was doing that and I kind of, frankly, I kind of realized I was becoming that guy who was sitting in the pub after work having a pint saying, one day I'm, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to be a photographer. And I didn't want to be that guy, you know? So after hearing myself say that a few times, I was like, right, I'm going to do this. So I, I quit my job. I gave my boss back then, because we were friends, a lot of notice, two or three months or something, okay. uh, which gave me a bit of time to sort of figure out what the hell I was doing. But anyway, I, I was extremely naive when it came to photography at the time. I kind of, I didn't know anybody involved in photography in England or here or anywhere at all or the industry. So I knew nothing about how the industry worked. Mm. Um, I, I didn't even know, you know, I knew, I knew some work by photographers I now, we all know and I know now and whose work I love like Penn and Avid and stuff but I didn't even know who'd taken these pictures how they'd come about how did this how did this photographer come to meet this you know okay. this movie star or and Kate Moss or whoever it was and how did hired. they come to do this but why, why did this happen I didn't even know that you know magazines would want to do a feature on so and so and they would call so and so to do it like I didn't know any of that stuff yeah so anyway, I came to New York quite frankly thinking you know I've taken a few nice pictures people seem to like so I'll go to New York and I'll show them to the magazines and then you know I'll Sorry. shoot for them. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds easy. You show up and they start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I look back now and I think, God, if I'd known how difficult it was, I probably wouldn't have tried. So it was one of those moments where I think the, the naivety was really helpful. And I'm glad I had it at the time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, things, that's not really how it worked. I came over here and realized immediately that it was, you know, I began to get an inkling of what the entire world of photography was about. And by this point, I was, I had this kind of dream model of shooting commercial work and personal work and there were a few young photographers whose work I liked at the time 
who that was kind of their model. You know, it was shoot advertising work and then spend the money shooting whatever you want. I was like, that sounds pretty much like the dream. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't until I came here and started connecting the dots between the photographers whose work I'd noticed previously, uh, between those photographers, the magazines that work was shot for and and how it all kind of, and the, and the existence of editors and what their role was and all this. And then uh, over time, over a year or two, I completely dropped this this ideal I had of commercial and personal I suddenly realized editorial was kind of what I wanted to do because I felt like all the photographers whose work I got really excited about had all worked as editorial photographers and clearly they had worked with a lot of visionary editors who'd pushed them uh, to become really great photographers mm -hmm. um, so everything kind of shifted when I began to understand how it, how it worked um, yeah I think it's smart I think one thing I realized like when I first started doing this is like I had like I got out of school and I had this like idea in my mind of like this is what I'm gonna do yeah and, and you're like this is, I'm just gonna make it work but then like you say like you kind of you start to learn more about it and I think it's good to have a more open mind about your work and let opportunities kind of come to you rather than being like I'm only gonna do this and that's it you know what I mean yeah and also you know you come to someone like New York to do photography or whatever it might be and there's so much history of a craft like photography in New York you know you, can't, you you just sort of think before you understand that you're going to turn up and you're going to you're going to dictate how things are going to happen for you and then you quickly realize you're going to have to find where and how you can fit in and yeah yeah it takes a while and did you kind of have like uh like a goal in mind for the type of work you wanted to do like did, did you always know you kind of wanted to do like the celebrity type of stuff like the stuff you're doing nowadays was that always kind of like the goal when I guess when you're first starting out you think or is it this um no, I don't think... I've, I've sort of never aspired to shoot celebrities specifically. Um, it's more... I mean, it's such, a, it's such a cliche, but like people with a story to tell, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested in. Um, when I first started, I was doing a lot more work to do with sort of... I guess my personal work was to do with subcultures and, and whatnot that I could find. Um, it's an easy way to, to find something that has a strong visual identity when you're first starting trying to find your voice, obviously. Um I do enjoy shooting people who, you know, uh, go a, a, a part of the times that I live in. I guess part of the point of portraiture for me is to is to is to kind of create some kind of snapshot from my point of view of the of the time that I I lived in. Yeah. I suppose. So, yeah, I do really enjoy photographing some you know people whose work I already know and respect, and those people often are quite well known, but. Any, anyone with a story to tell is, is interesting and I often feel like if they're not it's it's my fault not, not theirs yeah, <laughs> as definitely. a photographer yeah I agree it could be like a, you could do a story about like a chef or like a, I saw you in, recently did an interesting story about a runner and I was interested yeah. in talking about that it seemed pretty wild basically if I, if I read correctly you it was for Men's Journal and men's were, health men's yeah. health men's health and yeah. it was like a hundred mile run like in the mountains yeah uh, yeah how was that assignment it seemed <laughs> painful yeah you wrote on your instagram you said it was pretty tough yeah. uh so that when i um when i'd been a freelance for a year or two uh i wanted to shake this stuff up a bit so i went out to morocco and i wanted to do some documentary work um most of my work is is sort of portraiture as you mentioned yeah um, so I went and shot a thing called an ultra marathon in the Sahara Desert, which is basically a, a bunch of lunatics running, I think it's six marathons in five days or five marathons in six days through the Sahara Desert, carrying everything they're going to eat yeah. and use to sleep and whatnot for the whole week. So I went and shot that um, as a sort of self-assigned project um, and ESPN ran it as a portfolio, which was great. And that kind of led to me, you know, being commissioned to do that kind of work. 
Um, I don't do it super often because I like to do that kind of work in a very specific way. Like that project was sort of black and white, quite mm-hmm. gritty. Um, but anyway, uh, Jeannie Graves called me from Men's Health magazine about that race, which was which she was happy for me to shoot in pretty much exactly the same way I shot the one in Morocco, which I was excited about. But it was just hilarious because it was very difficult to get credentials to shoot it and whatnot. And so I think I got the call about 48 hours before the race or something. Uh, it, it was kind of mayhem, but it was it was a lot of fun. And I think there's a lot to be said sometimes for not having time to overthink a yeah, thing. You show up. Uh, and- yeah, you literally just have to get your gear together as fast as you can and get on a plane. Um, that that was an amazing project. Again, you know, it's been said a million times before, but having a camera is a, an amazing way into these little worlds that you otherwise would know nothing about, and that's a great example of that. Yeah. I'm shooting this guy, Killian Murphy. Uh, Killian Murphy. Killian <laughs> <laughs> uh, Journey. Yeah. Uh, Spanish runner. Uh, absolutely astonishing. Yeah, it's a 100-mile race through the mountains, and I mean really through the mountains. They they go up, and the weather changes from blistering sunlight to hail, storm, and freezing temperatures within minutes, and... Uh, I, I don't know how they survive, to be honest. Yeah, how do you even approach like, a shooting? Were you basically this kind of like, were you like in a car and you kind of would set up before they were coming and you kind of had a shot kind of mapped out in your mind? or Yeah, because they're running. That so is like- exactly what we would have done if we'd known like what the hell we were doing. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I was so unprepared. I didn't have a, I had a paper map of the race, but that was useless once the runners started moving because yeah. I had no idea where they were. I didn't know that there was an app you could download because there was no signal anywhere on the mountain so I didn't know there was an app you could download that would track the races through GPS and you could see where they were and blah blah blah, blah. so um, me and my assistant neither of whom had ever done any real off-road driving before rented a Wrangler and just did our best to kind of find them um, which was partly why the whole thing was so painful there was a very good friend of mine Alexis Berg who's a great trail runner um, photographer uh, he was there coincidentally um, and he gave me some invaluable advice that probably kept me alive um, but it was yeah it was about trying to predict where they were going to be um Mm. which was difficult because i was so unprepared but and then you would have it's astonishing how quickly they move even at like hour 20 of the race so you'd have a couple of seconds while they ran past some rocky crack that you know you imagined was going to make a beautiful shot uh so it it was it was difficult yeah it was a lot it was a lot of fun i mean that that you know i i have i have an interest in shooting things like that partly also because of what a marathon it is for me as just as a photographer um it's like superhumans. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, you start shooting at, at, like, I think the race started at something like 4 or 5 p.m. and I shot through till 5 in the morning, you know. And, and sometimes even just doing that pushes you to a strange place where you make you make work that you otherwise might not have done. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, the photos were amazing, and I'll definitely link it. People check it out. It was pretty, Thank you. pretty wild. And like you were saying before, you kind of self-assigned yourself that project before that. Is that something you found to be pretty useful um, to get more magazine work? Is this kind of uh, self-assign yourself work and basically just kind of share it? Is that you find that been pretty valuable for you to kind of get your name out there to different magazines and things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've never done it. Uh, I think it's fair to say every personal project I've done in the last few years, I've done out of some sort of genuine interest, either in the subject matter or or in the challenge or in wanting to go in a different direction. And that last one is key, I think, because I feel like if you want to change direction a bit in terms of what you're shooting, the the best way to do that by absolutely miles is shoot something like where you want to go and then show it to people. I mean, you can't you can't walk into a meeting and say I've I've shot all of this, but I'd like to do this other stuff that I have got nothing to, of it to show you. And yep. you know, so it's definitely the, the 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 quickest way to sort of make sure that you're going in the right direction as a photographer is to shoot your own work and show people that. I remember also, you know, obviously living in New York, go to a lot of meetings with editors and stuff and. Uh, 
I remember being a little embarrassed when I first went freelance that all my work in my book was self-assigned stuff. It was all personal work. Because, um, you know, you want to show that you've got some level of experience of dealing with jobs and all that. Um, but then, you know, fast forward a year or two and my entire book was commissioned work. Uh, and obviously when I kind of first realized I could I could put together an entire book of commissioned work that I was I was really enthusiastic about, I was proud of, was great. But then I'd start taking it to meetings and I realized that editors were kind of flicking through it much quicker than they did before. And what they actually wanted to see is what you would shoot if you're left to your own devices and how you would shoot it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went for a couple of years up until very recently of not doing any personal work at all because because New York and you yeah, know, it's crazy. It's busy. Um, and I've just done my first couple of personal projects and it, it's great. It's just, I mean, yeah, I've never done it quite as, as calculatedly as to be like, I want to, I want to show people this. I'll go and shoot that mm -hmm. exactly. But yeah. that kind of inevitably is what happens because yeah. you end yeah. up shooting something because your interests are shifting. And yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Like you said, unless you have that work in your book, people aren't going to hire you for it. And at least for, for me, it does feel like a balance like that. They want to see your personal work because they want to see your perspective. And it feels like they, they want to they work with people that have a passion for what they're doing. Absolutely. But at the same time, especially when you get into commercial and advertising stuff, it seems like they want to know that you have experience doing these bigger jobs and you're going to be able to handle it. So it, it feels like, yeah, you got to have a balance of both, it seems like, to kind of sell it home, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And... Um, I guess looking back, um, when you first started out, um, what were kind of some of the first assignments you got? Do you remember kind of the first, uh, some of the first couple of magazine assignments you got? Yeah. Um, so funnily enough, the last sort of bigger personal project I did before I went freelance uh, was about a trans a community of transgender uh, immigrants living in Queens, mm -hmm. um, mostly Latino and Latina. Um, so that was one of the major things I was showing people because it was my most recent work at the time, which led to quite a lot of work to do with the LGBTQ community. Um, so one of the first, actually, okay, so, you know, a lot of the process, as everybody knows, you know, you email an editor and you say, you know, I'd love to come and show you my work and hopefully they write back and say, yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, and I remember one particular day sitting at this very table, actually, um, and I emailed Greg Gary, who was then the photo director of Out Magazine, you know, saying, you know, I'd love to come. I'd met him once before as an assistant, I think. I said, I'd love to come and show you my book. Um, and then I was like, right, better start writing the next one. And then he didn't reply immediately. My phone rang about 20 minutes later, and it was Greg. And he said, hello, mate, how are you doing? I said, hello, hello. <laughs> didn't expect you to call. He said, how do you want to shoot our, our this big portfolio we're doing about <laughs> celebrity shit. gay couples? And I was just like... Yeah, what? <laughs> is, this a prank, is this a prank call? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I said yes, and uh, that was one of my first first editorial projects, and it was a it was a beautiful sort of twenty twenty five page portfolio, um, and it was kind of ran the gamut of the whole thing. You know, I had to go all over New York. I think we shot some of it in LA as well. Wow! Uh, just photographing couples, and it was individuals and couples in their homes and stuff. So that that was huge for me, um, and to be able to, I went from kind of not really being able to prove that I could, you know, handle a sizable job to suddenly having this beautiful portfolio to, to, to show people. So that, that was really helpful. And I'm grateful to Greg for that. Yeah, that's pretty smart. And I think you mentioned you, so you did a little bit of assisting before you kind of branched off on your own. Well, yeah. So I, when I, to backtrack a bit, when I came to New York, after I had that realization that I couldn't just show the magazines, my, my lovely pictures and have them hire me. Um, I went to see a talk by Platon, the photographer, oh, great who was one of the few people whose work I knew a lot and before I knew anything else about photography and really liked a lot at the time. And uh, 
So I went to see him give a, a talk. It was part of the New Yorker Festival. Uh, this would have been probably 2009. And anyway, it was, it was, I knew nothing about him personally or whatever, and it was billed as a photography masterclass with Platon, I remember. And I went along thinking, God, I bet this is going to be really geeky. I'm not really into, like, F-stops and <laughs> This is whatever. where you put your lights there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but I went along anyway, and it wasn't that at all. It was it was all him telling stories about the people that he photographed, and that was a huge moment for me. I was like, yes, this this is what I'm interested in. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a closet geek. I'm a photographer. They kind of go hand in hand, but yeah. that's what I'm really interested in. And so that was that was a big moment for me. So I then I then pursued his studio fairly relentlessly and got an internship, and then that turned into a job which I did for nearly five years, oh, wow. full time. That's amazing. Um, so that was kind of my baptism by fire, um, mm. and and that you know that that's where I learned sort of sort of everything really. And and at the beginning, the first two years, that's where I learned you know a very steep learning curve. And then towards the end, the last year or two, was kind of that process of realizing that I was beginning to have my own sense of how I would do it if I was in his shoes or if I got this shoot or whatever. And that the way I wanted to do it was citing, starting to sort of differ. Yeah, and that was. An exciting moment because like oh I think I'm beginning to sort of think for myself here but it was also a daunting moment because I realized I can't do this anymore I can't stay here like whether or not I've got what it takes to be successful as a photographer isn't the point like this is no longer yeah. challenging me in the right way so I have I have to move on uh, which made the decision of of going freelance an easy one because okay. I, I felt like I had to at that point whether it was gonna work or not yeah was that like because I think that's the thing a lot of people struggle with is going from an assistant to being a full-time photographer um, was that like a hard decision for you or is it you just kind of had, had some work put together and you're like, I'm just going to go for it because making that transition, I think it is, it is a tough struggle for a lot of people, you know? It is. It really is. I mean, I feel like I did things that I guess what people often refer to as kind of the old school way of assisting one photographer full time for a really long time and, and then going from there to freelance. Um, yeah, it was extremely daunting, but at the same time, I knew from day one that that was what I was in it for. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, it was inevitable. Um, and as I, as I mentioned just now, when that time came, it, it, I just knew it. So I was no longer being challenged in the way I had been for the first few years because I kind of understood what I was there to do. Um, so that realization that I wasn't being challenged anymore was the impetus. Um, so that kind of was almost out of my control. Mm -hmm. Uh it was yeah it was terrifying going christmas i i mean i remember going freelance i remember going freelance just before christmas and thinking like if i make it to christmas without being homeless i'll you know yeah. i'll be doing right and i and i and i did and that was kind of like <laughs> wow it's been like two months and keep I'm, it going i'm not on the street um yeah because what were you doing to kind of get your work out there well you know i so i was in a kind of a fortunate position in a way i mean not fortunate because you know i worked my ass off yeah. for it but like uh i built a lot of personal well relationships with the editors that I was working with through Platon. Yeah. So by the time I went freelance, it was, I made a point of not putting my name out there at all before I did that. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't big on social media, even I didn't, I had a website, whatever, but I definitely wasn't emailing anyone or, or showing anyone my work or anything like that because I wanted to wait till I was sort of really ready and, and I wanted to wait until I could go and see the editors that I was dreaming of working with. Not, not, you know, not just anybody, but the magazines who I really wanted to shoot for and the editors I really wanted to work with. I could go and I felt like I was, I had to wait till I was ready that I had work that wasn't going to be totally wasting their time if I went to show it to them. Yeah. When obviously you never feel 100% like that's the case, but you have to kind of get to a point where 
you're confident about your work as much as you can be i mean you know yeah uh so anyway i was in a position fortunately where i had a quite a good springboard because i could email a lot of these people who i knew and said all right look i'm i'm leaving can i come and show you my work mm -hmm. uh and because they knew me already that you know most of them were receptive to that so yeah no that's interesting and you know one thing i always kind of ask people i'm always kind of curious about um is like um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of build your aesthetic or kind of your photographic style the way you shoot? Like, have you always shot that way? Because, like, looking at a lot of the work you're doing nowadays, it looks like you kind of have a mix of, like, um, some studio work with, like, some really nice black and white stuff. And then um, it looks like more recently you've been kind of using some, like, uh, like colored gels with, like, constant lights. Is it, uh, have you always kind of shot in that kind of way? Or is it it's kind of continually evolving for you? Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is, this, is, this is pretty key for me, this whole thing. Um, when I first started out, I had a very, very specific way that I lit stuff. Um, because, you know, as a young photographer, especially if you're living somewhere where you're going to get hired because of the quality of your work, not because of like where you are, like, for example, New York, you know, um, you're, you're kind of you have it drummed into you that you need to specialize. Um, you have to pigeonhole yourself because otherwise you can't, people can't identify you. They can't remember you. They don't know what to hire you for. And obviously there's a lot of truth in that when you live in somewhere like New York or L.A. or London or Paris, or whatever. Um, but obviously there's a downside to that, right? Like you're kind of trapping yourself in a bit. So I did that very consciously at the beginning. Uh, I had a kind of very specific way that I lit my portraits mm -hmm. and that work was identifiably mine. And I, and I think that in, I don't think that was a bad move. But at the same time, it's very important to me that my work was identifiable, not simply because of my technical approach. Like, you know, people use this word style, mm. what, whatever that may mean. Um, it was important to me that if I developed a style, I didn't want it to be something that, that relied upon, like, what technical equipment I had. So this is kind of like coming to what you just said about my work and whatnot. Um, my, my goal, I think, as a photographer is to, is to be able to you know have a have a studio with all the equipment in the world at my disposal and a you know a celebrity and make a portrait and then in another instance have just like one little rangefinder and be shooting in black and white in a desert somewhere and then kind of whatever in between those two things and i love the idea that one day it will start to make sense and you'll be able to look at it as I, my voice develops, you'll be able to look at it and identify that work as mine. And there are certain, certainly photographers working now and, and in the past who, you know, you can like look at a postage size image and you know, I know who that is. Even if one of them is a color portrait and the other one's a black and white documentary picture, whatever it is, you know straight away. And that to me is kind of, that is the, the goal, I guess. Yeah. So uh, as, as, as I went on as a freelancer, I guess I began to move away from one or two strict technical approaches and I'm just, you know, it's a little bit risky, but I'm now I'm trying to do lots of different things in the hopes that it will all come together and make, make sense. And uh, hopefully that's working. I mean, I, I also feel like, you know, you have to think carefully about which magazines you're going to see and who you want to shoot for, because some people are really on board with that and some people aren't. Some people, it's important that you just show them your portraiture if that's what you want to shoot for them. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, there are, of course, plenty of people also who are interested in having you shoot you know, stories that combine those different, those different things. Yeah, it's, it's a tough uh, balance. Um, yeah, that's because the thing I, I kind of enjoyed about your work, because looking at your website, like you have your studio portraits, you'll do reportage, um, you shoot people on location. Um, it's all this kind of, you enjoy all of those kind of avenues pretty much. It's not like one, one that you prefer more than the other, you think, via like working in the studio or location or? Well, if I had to give all of it up <laughs> except for one, I would stick with the portraiture for sure. But, okay. um, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it may look all a little bit different, but I feel like I sort of approach it with the same same philosophy. And 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 there's also you know another key thing for me here in this discussion is is the balance between what happens when you use your instincts and what happens when you use your intellect. Um, and I think doing a thing well is is always a balance of those two things. Um, and I, uh, I I don't know this for sure, but I feel like if you go too far in one direction, you might start to go a bit off track. If you overthink all the time and ignore what your gut is telling you to do, you'll start to lose your way a bit, I feel. But similarly, you can't just go with your gut all the time. You have to have some conscious sense of what you're doing, how it fits into the history of the, the medium that you've chosen, in mm-hmm. my case, photography. Um, and so I think it's about finding a balance between those those two things as to how you approach your work there's always an aspect of you know i can try and shoot something a certain way and then i'll look at it i'll be like god damn it it looks like my work again you know because there's obviously something within you that you can't escape and so it's for me it's about finding a way to embrace that and then kind of tweak it with your intellect to try and make it into what you want it to be or closer to it yeah that makes sense and um one thing i was kind of curious about is like when you get a call for an assignment um do you have like a certain way you like to prepare for each um shoot like say if say if it's like a portrait subject are you are you the type of guy that does a lot of research on the people you're shooting or how do you kind of approach um each shoot like when you kind of get the call initially you think yeah it varies it varies quite a lot um i feel like to generalize a bit if it's someone whose work i'm familiar with or vaguely familiar with Mm. or have an idea about before i've done any research i tend to maybe do more research about them to sort of dispel the notions that i might have already had in my mind from a film i saw years ago or whatever it might be uh and if it's someone i know virtually nothing about sometimes i'll do research just to make sure i know you know roughly who I'm dealing with but it's almost it's sometimes interesting to just get your own impression once you meet that person um, and also because this might sound silly but you know my subject isn't going to be researching me no. um, so I sort of feel like it's kind of nice to walk in on a kind of even playing field in a way like we're discovering each other for anywhere from five minutes to a couple of hours or whatever it might be mm. so yeah it, it really varies I did a shoot this last weekend up in Maine that I mentioned earlier um, with a writer whose work I I know but I've only read a couple of his novels. Um, so I did a lot of research in that case because it was it was a case of going up to his summer house and spending an afternoon there, which is rare for me. You know, normally it's you're in a studio in New York or a conference room in a basement somewhere in a hotel or and you have, you know, half an hour, whatever it is. So this this was an opportunity for me to really research him a lot, watch a lot of interviews with him, really understand his view of the world so I could go and actually get something out of it mm. for myself personally that you then hope will somehow reveal itself in, in the pictures. So in that case, I, I did a lot. So it, it varies a little bit. No, that's interesting. And, you know, being that, like a lot of times, a lot of your work, you're shooting like some of these celebrities and um, high profile people. Um, I would imagine a lot of these situations, they have PR people. And I know in my experience, sometimes when you're dealing with these big people, the PR people almost want to try to tell you how to do your job sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Cause, yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have their needs and how they want to be perceived or whatever. Um, how do you kind of deal with those situations? Because uh, do you feel like it's like a balance? Because like you're working with them, but at the end of the day, like you're an artist and you're trying to uh, create a piece of work that you're proud of. Like, how do you kind of deal with those like tough stuff? Yeah, I definitely find that sort of thing easier as I go on as my confidence in in what I'm doing um, grows, definitely, because, you know, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but when you first go, when you first kind of put your put yourself out there in the world and try and make work that people are going to see and whatnot, you really feel a need to sort of prove yourself, obviously. Um, as time goes on, I feel a little bit of a less of a need to do that. Um, not Not just with the picture as it's printed on the page, but also... 
uh, to, to the people who I encounter along along the way, including publicists, PR people. Um, so if someone, you know, would like to tell me where they would like their subject's portrait to be taken for this magazine, I'll sort of go, okay, this is great, thank you. I really, you know, I really appreciate the advice. And like, you know, it, it, in a sense, it's good to make everybody feel involved. Um, I, I don't feel a need to turn around and say, I'm here to do what I'm going to do kind of thing. Um, and in my experience is PR people tend to be aggressive um, via email before the shoot. And then once you get there and they realize you're, hopefully realize you're not, an idiot yeah. uh, you know everything calms down a bit and you'll kind of get along and everything's totally fine um, yeah i think it's like like you said uh, i had actually had a situation like this two weeks ago i had i photographed sean spicer right and uh <laughs> it was the same like like you said over email they were like because i wanted to do like a formal portrait session and uh they're like nah you can just like shoot him whatever talking to people or whatever and uh like these like you said they're tough over email but then you meet them in person and then it was fine it was yeah, just like yeah. well it was all this back and forth forever and then it, was, it ended up working out so yeah yeah i think it is i used to get really freaked out when i got those aggressive emails oh god this is never gonna work but <laughs> you know now i'm just like okay yeah all right cool sounds good or whatever yeah you think you have you have to like you have to push back to get what you want sometimes like if you have a goal in mind for the photo you want to take it's like keep pushing a little farther sometimes because you don't you know. yeah that that that's another key thing for me is that not just with pr people but m much more importantly with, with my subjects uh is that line you know and, and how much you want to push someone out of their comfort zone mm -hmm. uh and how much you're willing to push yourself out of yours to sort of make it make it fair if you like um yeah and it's, it's an interesting really interesting point i think as a portrait photographer is, is when you push push someone a little bit when you don't and yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing. That's why it's why I like working with um, I guess performers quite a lot because they obviously they they once once they once they begin to think of you as someone that's worth sort of collaborating with once they realize kind of who you are or whatever, then um, that that can be that can be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, so like performers, you mean like musicians and like actors and things like that. You you think you enjoy working with those like people type people? Well, yeah, I mean not necessarily more than than anyone else I shoot, but it's a particular type of shoot that's a little bit more collaborative. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because yeah. I saw on your Instagram you photographed Aesop Rocky and you said you really yeah. enjoyed uh, working with him. What what was it about like working with him? Uh, he was kind of uh, like a collaborator on that on that shoot, like that kind of. Well, yeah. Also, I'm you know I'm I'm really into hip hop and he was one of those people who's a big figure right now. And he came in, he was just he was just brilliant. He was very low key, and we we spent absolutely ages talking about hip hop and 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 its history and references and like talking about famous hip-hop pictures that we both knew and yeah. all stuff like that um and also he was he you know i had my work up on the wall where where we were shooting and he was he was kind of into it when he walked in he started looking at it i didn't point it out and that that was kind of a cool you know it's just it's just really sweet when someone who's not not in the photography industry is of a stature that he has kind of comes in and takes an immediate and active interest in your work and yeah so yeah he was he was, it was just a lot of fun and he was willing to sort of hang out for as long as we as we were allowed to yeah that's exciting like anytime you can get someone who's uh down to kind of collaborate and work with you that's like that's the dream subject right there yeah and also like as a photographer you go into every situation at least i you know i try to like wondering what can i what can i learn from this or this person or this story or whatever it is and it's really nice when you have a subject who comes in with the same approach yeah you know and it's like what can asap rocky learn from me probably nothing but he came in with the attitude of like okay let's see what this is about and that's just that's just really nice you know? yeah that's no, interesting and uh also looking on your website i see you, you do some advertising work um like you've done some stuff for budweiser and some other commercial clients um when you're d dealing with like advertising work um do you feel like 
you need to like create a type of work that's gonna like cater to those clients like uh or do you kind of this approach approach it the same way as your editorial i guess when you're marketing your work to advertising and things do you feel like it's different or so i actually don't or haven't yet rather marketed myself as as you say um looking for commercial work it's not actually something i've done um i don't shoot a huge amount of commercial work right now simply because I'm just keen to, as long as I can pay the bills, I'm keen to shoot as much editorial as possible to kind of push mm-hmm. myself and be pushed. Yeah. Um, not that obviously that commercial work doesn't push you, but for me, commercial work is actually, despite the stakes, often feeling much higher because of the the you know the budgets and yeah. the and the number of people involved and mm. and all that sort of stuff. I actually find it a lot easier um, because, well, I guess because there's a slightly lessened sense of creative ownership over what I'm doing that yeah. I would have for my personal editorial work. Um, so, you're, you know, I'm just sort of, I understand that I'm there to fulfill a, someone's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if you approach it as such, it's kind of a lot less stressful. Um, and I, I did so much work in my days assisting yeah. Platon on, on huge commercial sets that I kind of became so used to it that it doesn't, it doesn't the scale of things doesn't stress me out at all. But I haven't really marketed myself for commercial work mm. yet just because... Yeah. You know my my overheads at the moment and stuff are relatively low and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and I'd I'd rather put that effort at the moment into working with the editors I really want to work with. Um, yeah. So that that work I have done has kind of come my way through one thing or another, but not really me going out there looking for it. That's smart. That's probably the best type of way. Like this stuff coming kind of coming your way because you're doing your thing. And yeah, I mean that that Budweiser campaign was great actually because you know it's it was sort of photography I got really excited about and it was kind of a Brooklyn campaign so we shot it all around Brooklyn and all the subjects were genuinely interesting people and yeah it was it was a really good campaign and they kind of let me shoot it how I wanted to shoot it so mm. actually everything I've just said kind of doesn't apply to that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway whatever. every job's different no I get what you're saying <laughs> exactly I mean that said so I don't really go out and hustle for commercial work at the moment but that said I have had a couple of um, advertising jobs where you know I know that I'm not the only photographer being asked to put in an estimate or whatever so I'll go out and shoot something okay to include in my estimate to show like by the way like not only can I do this but I can do this well and it will look like this and I've I've definitely gotten a couple of jobs by just by doing that no that's interesting and uh you know being like you're working freelance um how do you kind of manage those like ups and down times because it is like it's like a interesting career because like some months can be busy um sometimes it can be crazy um like what do you kind of do if you have a downtime like what is like kind of like a typical day look for you if you don't have a shoot like how do you kind of utilize those times when maybe you're not like super busy with work coming in the door yeah, it's a good question. Um, I've got friends who sometimes say, "What do you, what, what do you do? You do all day anyway." <laughs> um, it's funny because I never really, feel, I don't really feel like I have downtime, and I think that actually is one of the problems of living somewhere like New York because of this the whole rat race nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm if I have a day or a week where I don't have a shoot or shoots or, or whatever, there's you know there's always piles of of paperwork or mm-hmm. you know paperwork to do, invoicing to do taxes to do there's work to prepare for syndication there's portfolios to reprint there's personal projects to think about to plan yeah you know there's there's i feel at any given moment there's about 12 things i i 
probably ought to be doing instead of whatever I am doing. So one thing I'm I'm personally not very good at is carving out time to be like, okay, this is what you might refer to as downtime. I'm going to just take this week and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I tend to be a bit more like I I will go and do things that aren't work related, but in the back of my mind the whole time I'm sort of thinking, oh God, I probably should be doing something else. Uh, So I I don't think I have the healthiest approach to (laughs) how to balance your life as a freelancer exactly. And yeah, uh, but I'm definitely not complaining. I mean, there's there's upsides and downsides to both full time employment and Mm. being freelance, of course. Um, One of the upsides to having a full time job is you can often walk away from it at the end of the day. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm not super great at that, I I would say. (laughs) I always feel like there's stuff. To do, always, yeah, and no, I think always. there is. Yeah, I look at it like those. Maybe like if you have a week where you don't have an assignment, it's like yeah, it's like organizing the ship to make it like yeah. run smoother. You know, yeah, because of course, you know, if you have a week where you don't seem to have that much going on, and you take it off, and then suddenly the next three weeks are completely back to back, then all the stuff that isn't shooting just piles up in the background like crazy. So you kind of have to take advantage of what you might hope would be downtime to it's do pre- all of that stuff. I guess preparation. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and. Uh, you know, one thing I was interested in talking to you about, I saw recently, I think back in May, you had your first uh, cover for Inked Magazine. Um, I believe that was your first magazine cover, Craig. It said, I think it's selling your No, sorry. Yeah, I think a lot of people interpreted that that way. It was it was Ink Magazine, um, not the business one, not the tattoo magazine. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it was my first cover for them. Okay, got it. Um, and with like projects like that, when you're shooting a cover... Um, is it different than, than shooting a, like a feature or do you approach it any different or is it yeah, all it's very different um it's 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 very different because at the end of the day you're the cover of a magazine is part of its branding i guess mm-hmm. um so you know obviously 99 percent of the time when you shoot a cover there's a there's a story that's going to go inside as well so you're making pictures for the cover and the inside of the magazine i feel like whatever you're shooting potentially for the cover you have to make options of that image which will work with the magazine's branding whether it's the color palette whether it's eye contact whether it's framing to allow for the you know text whatever it might be mm-hmm. um so i feel like shooting covers is, is is very very different from shooting um you know middle of the book stuff yeah it's not like feel like it's more direction from the magazine kind of because they got more needs i guess i guess or yeah i mean it's more of a i, I guess basically it's kind of the same as shooting another editorial assignment except you have to anything that you're thinking might potentially be for the cover you have to shoot it in quite a with quite a lot of technical variations you need to have space on the top for this or the sides for that or if they might have to crop it like this or like that so it's kind of like a bit you know you have to sort of think a bit like you're playing a computer game sometimes make sure you've covered all of your bases in the back of your mind yeah yeah yeah, Um, that makes sense yeah it's interesting and uh and obviously the stakes are always a bit higher yeah you know so there's that sense of pressure um which for me is all, always a good thing i, yeah. I love that you love <laughs> the pressure cause, yeah. i mean not just in the case of doing cover shoots but anything mm. that well, i feel under pressure is I, I feel like i make better work yeah i think that's the fun thing with photography it's like every job's a challenge like you never know what's gonna come your way like i just interviewed dylan coulter who's like a mm. photographer in la and he was uh, he, he he shot for the body issue, which I know you shot uh, for too, and I was going to ask yeah. you about. But they threw him. He shot for the body issue. They they had him shoot it on an iPhone. The whole job, right? Yeah. And, and I yeah. I was like, that was just blow my mind. But he's like, yeah, it was great. Like it was just like you said, it was like a challenge. And every yeah. job, every job's like that. It could be like the location's a challenge, the person's a challenge. And it's just, I guess that's just the kind of thing that keeps it interesting and fresh. I guess. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like I said, with the body issue, I think you've shot. I know you did. 
I think a couple of times. Twice, yeah. Twice. Uh, yeah. How is it working on that issue? Because it's become such like an iconic yeah. uh, issue. It's like a lot of photographers, that's like a benchmark, I think. And it's uh, I believe it's one of the ESPN's biggest issues of the year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, how is it working on that? Had you Prior to that, had you shot nudes or anything like that before that? Or what was kind of your um, experience? No, I hadn't. So, yeah, that was, I mean, shooting body issues is amazing. It's so kind of... Um, it really feels like you're part of a thing, you know. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And you know, you have a bit more resources at your disposal than you might for a normal editorial shoot as well, which allows you to, you know, mm-hmm. try things. Um, what? Hang on. What was the question? I was just saying, like, oh, news and stuff. What, right. Yeah. What was your experience? So, that- funnily enough, actually, that it's funny the the dots you can connect looking backwards because my first body shoot mm-hmm. was with um, an athlete called Chris uh, Mosier. Mm-hmm. He's a transgender. Uh, triathlete, duathlete, one or the other, okay. duathlete, um, and I'd actually shot him before for ESPN, uh, which I think probably came about as a kind of combination of the fact that I'd sent ESPN this story I did on a marathon a few years ago. They published it, and then I'd done quite a lot of work with the LGBTQ community as well. Mm. Uh, so in a sense, that first shoot I did with Chris was sort of a, a combination of those two things, uh, and then for the body issue. I mean, my first body issue shoot was with Chris Mosier, and that that was that was pretty terrifying for both me and for him because yeah. <laughs> you know he's he's a very high profile um, you know guy going through a gender transition and breaking all kinds of boundaries in the process in terms of um, competing for America as a transgender well openly transgender person. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, having never shot you know a naked person for a magazine before, let alone one who's going to be like you know careering through a forest on a bike yeah. or whatever um so it was a it was it was a hell of a challenge and it and it was it was great and that that shoot was particularly important in a way because it did a lot for chris and not just for chris but for you know the community that that looks to chris as, as a as a leader as well um mm. he's 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 literally um had a direct impact in changing the law for how lgbtq people in this country can commit compete in sports so wow. really really amazing for him and like at the time one of the most high, high profile things he'd done as well wow and then the second time i shot body issue was uh, with a um i you know i grew up in england so i was i was into i was really into rugby um growing up i still watch it a lot and uh, anyway i was shooting an all blacks the all blacks being the new zealand uh, national rugby team who are kind of have always sort of been if not the best, the most sort of um, terrifying rugby team in the world. So I was shooting a member of that team um, in Hawaii. Uh, and that's just, that sort of thing doesn't come along very often. You know, a few days in Hawaii yeah. with the Hawaiian landscape yeah. against which to shoot this unbelievably muscular mm. physique. Uh, that that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And like when you're working on a big shoot like that, like you said, they have a lot of resources. Is the magazine giving you a lot of input, like in terms of like the locations they want to shoot at, or do you kind of get to put your two cents in on what you kind of want to bring to it, or how's that? Kind well, of working work? with ESPN is 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 great because even when you're shooting a cover or um, or a high stakes thing like the body issue, mm. um, they they really want your input. To, yeah. on every aspect it's it's not like okay this is big enough that we're going to kind of call the shots a bit here it doesn't work like that at all which is really great so for the body issue stuff yeah i mean we there's a lot of location scouting for the one in hawaii it was done you know initially remotely okay uh we had a an agency out there going and scouting for us they would send me and uh nancy and karen karen's the director of photography there and nancy until recently was sort of um a photo editor there who worked on the body issue for years um 
So they would send us location pictures and we would discuss it and we would whittle it down and we would send them back, say, we like this and this, can we get more pictures of this place and this place and this place? Um, and they very much let you take the lead. I, I, I love working for ESPN because of that, but also because, you know, they'll also make sure that you're on your toes. Like every now and again, you'll say, you know, so, I, you know, and I thought I'd do a shot here and they'll be like, okay, why? <laughs> yeah, they want to know why. Well, because, you know, which is great. I mean, that's kind of exactly what you need. You need people who are encouraging you, but also every now and again being like, you know, poking a little hole in your vision to find out why, you, why you've got it or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. And yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. No, that's awesome. And um, a few more questions. I'll let you go. Uh, I guess this is, I always ask people this and I realize this is a hard question to answer. But, like, looking back at, like, everything you've done, like, all the assignments you've done, is there, like, one that kind of sticks out in your mind as maybe, like, particularly memorable, either for the experience or maybe something you learned or maybe this you're just particularly proud of those photos, you think? Uh, it's, it's tough. Ooh. It's tough because you shot a lot of stuff. So, it's, I mean... It's, I yeah, say. I mean, it's... There's a lot. There's a lot that I could say that about. Um, yeah. I mean, I get really excited about every shoot yeah. and I feel a bit like if I don't leave it having made pictures I'm really proud of and learnt something I didn't expect to know that day or whatever I've, it's more that I've failed rather than I've succeeded if I do do those things yeah um, yeah memorable shoots I shot the Sundance Film Festival uh, this year for the first time that was that was a fascinating experience for me because it's the, it's as everybody has heard who hasn't shot it themselves it's absolutely insane mm. um, I think I shot 200 portraits in, a, in, a, in three or four days wow um, that was amazing because it really pushed me to as we were a bit like what we were talking about earlier, to shoot kind of with my instincts rather than my intellect because you have no time to think about anything, which was a real discovery for me because I'm trying to do a bit more of that and loosen up a bit. Um, so that was a great experience for that. Yeah. Um, the body issue, again, just to return to that for a minute, is great in a similar way because it's so... There's a strong narrative to it, but you really can be creative, so that, that's a lot of fun. Mm. Um and I guess the other ones I would refer to off the top of my head, like today, I feel like if you asked me tomorrow, I'd probably give you a totally different answer. Yeah. Uh, are the, are just the weird projects that you never see coming. Uh, New York Magazine sent me just before, just during the primaries in what, I guess it would have been, what, 2015, uh, uh, yeah. the end of 2015, I think it was. Yeah, or 16, yeah. Yeah, I went um, and photographed... 100 Republican voters. In yeah, I was going to ask you about that. It's an amazing yeah. series on your website. I'd definitely tell people to go definitely yeah. go check that out. Yeah. So, that, so w- that that story was completely bonkers. I mean, also that was that was New York Magazine who again is one of my favorite people to shoot for and they they often call me rather than email me for a shoot. I feel like that's kind of old school. You know? I like that. Um, I like so that. my phone will ring and I'll be you know, in the middle of a shoot or in the gym or whatever and it'll say New York Magazine. It's like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> and, you, and I sort of know that when I answer that phone, I'm going to be on a plane or shooting something within about 12 hours. It's always quite frightening. Um, And I love that. So anyway, that time it was Jodie Kwan, the director of photography there. She called me um, and I mentioned in the gym because I was actually in the gym at the time. I was totally out of breath. And I answered the phone, she said, and I just booked my flight home to England to see my family for Christmas. Mm. And she said, can you fly tomorrow to Iowa and then New Hampshire and find a hundred people who are going to vote for Republican candidates and make portraits of them? In a week. Wow. <laughs> so you had to find out, get out, wrangle all those people. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny you say that. So my assistant and I went to the airport to meet the writer and, well, the two writers in the magazine. And 
we'd spent the last sort of 12 hours manically running around assembling all our equipment and charging everything and getting ready and figuring out the logistics and booking flights and hotels and cars and you name it. And then I got to the airport. I was like, okay, guys, so who are these, who are these voters? And they looked at me and they said, we don't know. <laughs> and it didn't actually dawn on me until then that nothing, nothing had been set up. So I love those kind of things where you just, I never saw it coming in a million years. And like one day I was about to go home for Christmas and take two weeks off. And the next, literally the next day I was actually suddenly running around Walmart parking lots in Iowa looking for Republican voters (laughs) that I could make portraits of. What do you guys have set up a studio somewhere and just wrangled people to Um, it? Yeah, well, we spent a couple of days figuring out how not to do it, um, going places where we might find one or two people and... Um, and then we quickly realized we needed to kind of go for bulk. So we went to a lot of um, town halls and fundraisers and stuff where we could get numerous people in one go. But yeah, we set up a studio. I had about, I think I had a seamless and a light on the seamless and then a couple of lights, my portraits. Um, and we we would set that up anywhere from five to about 15 times a day yeah. um, in the corners of restaurants or Walmart parking lots or anywhere, you, anywhere we could. Did you guys get a lot of pushback from people like saying no or because like, I mean, I, how I mean, the president nowadays, he's like media is the, like the enemy, but essentially. And with the Republicans, did you guys get a lot of pushback or were people pretty open to you or how was your kind of people were fairly open? Yeah. Um, you know, this is kind of before everything had really kicked off. Trump was a, just a candidate true, at the time. True. Um, yeah. In fact, he was he was a candidate for the nomination at the time. He hadn't even technically been nominated when I shot that project. So. Mm-hmm. People were fairly open. I mean, there were some people who just said no thanks and wandered off. That's um, but I, I didn't experience any aggression as a member of the media at the time. That's good. And is like the politics something like you'd like to shoot more of that kind of stuff? I know looking at your website, you do come a lot of like social issues. Like you photographed the mm-hmm. women's march. Is mm-hmm. that something you'd like to dive into more and do kind of more work in that kind of realm? You think? Yeah, I actually feel like that's something I used to do more. I used to shoot for people like Human Rights Watch and stuff when I started out. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of fits fits into what we were talking about earlier about my kind of wanting to, as much as I can gain access to, you know, experience a kind of cross-section of the times that I live in. Um, so that definitely applies to to politics and what's going on in, kind of in, in geopolitics as much as it does to anything else, for mm-hmm. sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess just to kind of wrap up, like... Uh what kind of keeps you going uh what keeps you inspired and because this business is crazy like i say it can be up and down but at the end of the day what kind of keeps you going and i guess what kind of what do you kind of enjoy about this i guess Ooh, um <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one there's no right answer <laughs> i mean i i just it sounds really cheesy but I, I really love the whole process like i get really excited about every shoot mm. and every shoot in its in itself is a kind of a there's an arc to it you know there's the, the you get the initial call or email and then you start thinking about a thing you didn't expect to be thinking about mm-hmm. and then you put it all together i enjoy the physical aspect of it. i enjoy the traveling i enjoy the having to get all my cases of equipment through airports and stuff like you know i feel like one of the things we lost a bit when everything went digital was the kind of physicality of certain aspects of photography mm-hmm. um and that hasn't you know that hasn't come back in terms of the darkroom or film or processing or whatever but it but for me, I kind of replaced that with the phys- the physical kind of exertion of, of being a studio photographer who carries equipment around everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I get pretty excited about every shoot, and I think that really keeps me going. And then, I, you know, I get back from the shoot, and I, I go back to my hotel room or, or here where we are now or wherever, and I, I start doing the edit and whittling it down, and then I kind of get to a point where, you know, I've got it down to my favorite few pictures, and I kind of look at them, and I go, oh, this is, this is great. <laughs> I feel good about this. Um, 
and then you know then you send them to the editor and then you have that conversation about what they like and why and what they want to publish and all that sort of stuff and I, I just lo I love the whole process of editorial photography so I get pretty excited about every shoot and I, and I try and be pretty disciplined about the fact some shoots come along and you're just like oh this is amazing mm -hmm. like when you hear who the subject is or what the story is straight away you're like oh okay this is brilliant and sometimes you know you get a story where you're like okay who, who, who's this person yeah. you know and, and I try really hard to be disciplined about about realizing that every shoot should be a, as exciting as, as every other shoot and if as I mentioned earlier if I, if I don't get something out of it myself uh, it's probably for lack of trying on my part not because the story or the subject was inherently uninteresting which is or probably never going to be the case you know yeah. um, especially if you're working for the sorts of magazines that you want to be working for because you're working for them because they tell the sorts of stories that you're interested in um, yeah so I think it's fair to say I get pretty excited about about every shoot and that definitely keeps me going and I'm also at my highest functioning and my happiest when I'm when I'm busy yeah so I just get really excited when <laughs> when projects come in it's like okay now I've got a thing to kind of get my teeth into hell yeah man let's keep shooting keep creating keep shooting. and see where it goes yeah um but Benedict man I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this thank uh, you man yeah I really enjoyed talking to you and look forward to seeing more of your work in the future and I guess for people listening um where's the best place to check out your work um, well, I have a website, which is benedictevans.com, and my Instagram is uh, benedict underscore Evans. So I guess those are the easiest places. Perfect. But, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. No, thank you. I'll link it, and people can go check it out, and uh, thank you so much. Cheers. Appreciate it. So there you have it. That was the Benedict Evans interview. I want to thank Benedict so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his work and experience within photography. Um, definitely go check out Benedict's website at benedictevans.com. Uh, lots of cool photos on there and different projects he's working on. Um, so definitely go check that out. And as always, just wanted to let you know, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.